this uh later uh you'll see how great of a show it is welcome father brian welcome frank frank all you gotta do to call in is you see one of those little circle thingies with a person and a plus sign just press on that and we'll and thank you for the share father brian and then we'll get started hope everyone's doing okay hotter than hades in maine the last couple three days here supposed to break tomorrow too damn hot for this time of year i hear it's hot everywhere yeah then we have this brown tail moth all over the place everyone has it like this itchy rash everyone everyone i know has it and that's not a joke uh, so you go into your local grocery store or pharmacy and you try to find like all these remedies that people try witch hazel uh, cortisone cream, Benadryl, uh, tea tree oil. I mean, just completely rubbing alcohol, even just completely wiped out of this stuff. Some people even use hemorrhoid cream and that's been wiped out as well. Uh, so, uh, there we go. Uh, so Frank is new to, uh, Podbean and he's 
trying to figure things out. His Bluetooth headphones wouldn't sync up with his phone, so then he found some regular headphones. Those should do the trick. He's just got to figure out how to call in and uh, do all that. So while he does that, I guess I can run my mouth a little bit. And I have all kinds of questions for him. He's a New Jersey transplant who owns a family business uh, cafe, really good cafe, Ralph's Cafe in Brooks. Uh, Frank's also involved with the theater. And uh, he also is a, I believe he still is a costume designer. Uh, I don't know how much he does it, but that's what he did for a living before he made his way to Maine. He's also well-traveled. He uh, traveled all kinds of places right up until the, every year he went somewhere uh, to a new place around the world, if you will. And uh, the pandemic put an end to the or a stop to that. I shouldn't say an end to that. How horrible of me. So I can't have air conditioning in my apartment. It's on the lease. I can't install an air conditioner. So I have two fans going at me right now and i also have this arctic air little box thingy that uh, uh points at me too yeah, frank just texted me no idea uh no idea can you hear me can you hear me you gotta okay i'm here all right frank okay frank's in the house all you gotta do frank is you gotta press on that little thing you see that circle where you can call in? You click on one of those circles. I'll invite you in. Then, then, uh, but then we got a show. We got a show going on. All right. Okay. You did? Okay. So he says he did, but I'm not seeing. Let me see what I can do here. I think I can do some stuff. Invite as a speaker. Here we go. Okay. I said, hey, it says he's a speaker now. Are you a speaker now, Frank? Uh, he's not there. Rounding third has entered the studio. How you doing, Rounding third? How you doing? So I've discovered Milt Dog does a show just uh, constantly all the day. So I, here I'm working. I'm working. Got my phone out. Can you hear me now? And Rounding third sharing me all these shows that Milt Dog does during the day. It's like, wow, man, Milt Dog does a lot, of, and he's still going. Wow, that's amazing. So Milt Dog's been going like. Eight hours today. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Wait, did you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, good. Maybe it's the headphones. I don't know. Let's see. Can you uh, hear me still? I can hear you still. You just got to make sure you speak directly into the phone and uh, so the other folks can hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, yeah. can you hear me still? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, all right. I, w I wasn't sure if it was something I did. Oh, I'm sure no. it is something I did. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, man. All right. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I was just talking about brown tail moth. Do you have brown tail moth? I do not have it, but everyone I know has some form of it. And today, when I went out shopping in Bangor, um, I was asked to buy tea tree oil and Aveeno and pot, like um, uh, whatever that's called. You know, um the hemp hemp cream and stuff all were tried none have worked no kidding wow yeah. whoops i think i just turned myself up too loud hold on a second i don't want to blow your eardrums people 
Yeah. Marijuana cigarettes work too, says rounding third. Yeah. I yeah. bet they do. I see. Well, that's all you got to do is just uh, drink yourself blotto yeah, or smoke your brains out with marijuana, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, did you find that like all the stuff that you were asked to buy, it's completely wiped off the shelves or were you able to find all the stuff? I found, I found stuff, but I, there wasn't a lot of it. So tea tree oil, I guess every multiple people had mentioned, but I don't know. It, uh, who knows if I don't have it. So luckily I don't have to worry about it. And I kept on thinking, you know, when I had um, chicken pox, um, when I was a kid, they used to make this Aveeno like oatmeal paste yeah. stuff that you put on yourself. I don't think they make it anymore because I couldn't yeah. find it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having chicken pox as a kid. We said, did they have like chicken pox parties in your neighborhood where all the kids Whoa, were? So the kids would get it. Yeah. 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 Oh, the, yes. The, and then you found out later that the parents decided that you needed to also get it. So they just had you come over and had a play date. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 See, that's what happened at my household. Uh, Trish got it and there are always kids around. So it's just like it was just going to be a matter of time before I would get it. And I got in, but I only got like three. I got like three. Really? Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So. I didn't get it until I was in high school and I had chicken pox on chicken pox. I had them in my throat. I had them uh, like everywhere I'm behind oh. my eyelids. I had them so bad. I think I was out of school for a month. Holy shit. You had chicken pox in your throat. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, man. How do you even treat that? Oh, you wow. don't. I took I had those Aveeno bath things that I sat in for hours, which. Oh, really wow. And of course, well, I have all these mosquito bites. So now I'm making it's making me itch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't drink that Aveeno paste, can you? I mean, I suppose you could. Well, you could drink tequila, I suppose, and that'll knock you out. And you won't. Oh, that'll yeah, and that'll soothe it, too. Absolutely. I think it was your mother that told me that she inhaled like poison ivy from like yep. a fire. Oh, yep. man, that's she like poison ivy down her throat, too. Uh, that's like the worst poison ivy story I've ever, ever heard. Like, oh, man, I don't even want to yeah, think about it. So anyway, yep. So uh, this is Frank's first time on the show. Uh, have you listened to the show before? If you haven't, I'm not. I had listened. I oh, have you listened. Uh -huh. oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Eric, welcome to the live story. Well, thanks for that. Um, yeah, so one thing uh, here, it's just like there's really no boundaries here whatsoever on what you can say. We do have a potty mouth list, and the way the potty <laughs> mouth list works is this. Um, you're allowed to say the F word three times. Huh, interesting. You, yeah, so if you get up to three times, uh, what, what happens is you have one episode to... The next episode you participate on, you can redeem yourself. But if you say any F words at all that following episode, uh, you got to take a break for a while. Um, uh, so uh, like my host. I usually uh, only say it for for effect anyway. That, so that's it's good. like to punch something. So I don't say it like every I'm not yeah. Jesse Gibbs. <laughs> You're not Jesse Gibbs. There you go. <laughs> that's his Smurf language. Exactly. You can see rounding third in the chat room just said it three times and you can say it as much <laughs> as you want in the chat room. That's that's uh, that's OK. Um, 
Uh, and speaking of Chris Stout, welcome, Chris, to the live studio. Uh, another thing that will automatically get you on the potty mouth list is the C word. The C word used uh, once will get you on that. Yeah, no C word. That's too bad. Yeah, and the P, <laughs> the P word will get you. The P word will let you say twice. But what uh, if you're Brit? What if you're British? Can you say the C word then? Because they use it very different yes because they use it in a different context yeah we we've had that discussion if you're british or even australian in news or from new zealand you can use it as many times as you want because it's used <laughs> in a different context yeah i figured yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah man um so uh the only exception is when father brian calls in father brian we have to have accommodations for because father brian just doesn't have a filter when it when it comes to the f word so we allow it we allow him to say it six times (laughs) yeah yeah but that's that's the father brian uh rule yeah so uh what i want to talk about uh frank is my age he's a gen xer and he's not originally from maine he's from new jersey Nope, you're from, from Maryland. Maryland. You're mm-hmm. from Maryland. Okay. Uh, okay. I think Mike's from New Jersey. Okay. So. Right. Okay. I see. I see. Uh, <laughs> so did you, but did you live in New Jersey at any time? I did. My father worked for the post office. He was in charge of uh, building and construction of all post offices. So he moved around a lot and so did I. So I was born in Maryland. We moved to North Carolina we moved to Maryland again, uh, Connecticut. We moved to a lot of different places, and then New Jersey, and then before, then we were in New Jersey for twenty some odd years, and then, um, and then we moved here. I see, I see, and uh, so, and I'm assuming that when you lived in Maryland and New Jersey, those were more urban than what your, uh, than yes. what your, yeah, uh, so. so yeah, Maryland was right outside Washington D.C., and New Jersey was right outside New York. And right. obviously, here is not right. at all that. Right. And what made uh, and you moved to you moved to Brooks, Maine, quite later in life, right? I mean, as an adult, I was thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yep. So yep. That was almost yep. twenty years ago. That was yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Father Brian, you use the C word like an Australian. So if you call, <laughs> Father, so if Father Brian calls in, speaks in an Australian ass, accent, and uses the C word, we'll let that go. We'll let right. that go. Yeah, right, right. Um, uh, Chris Stout is saying, "Who's the guy?" Well, you'll find out. That's why we're interviewing <laughs> Frank. You just be patient. You find out. Okay. Uh, so far, we know he his uh, dad built post offices, and he's lived in Maryland, Maine, uh, Maryland, New Jersey, and Maine. He moved to Maine when he was thirty-two. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what made you decide to move to Maine? That's a long story. You ready for that story? Have you heard I, that story? I sure believe. I, I've heard it. I don't believe I've heard it from you, uh, but I oh, have. Interesting. Yeah, but so, please. So my father and my mother used to travel all the time, and um, they were watching the Food Network, and they um, saw something about Lobster Fest. And my father hates lobster. He hates the cold. He hates the outdoors. He was very much a city guy. So they planned this trip to come up here, and... Um, And he died before they could actually do it. So um, my mother didn't want 
to go on this trip, even though they paid for everything. And so my entire extended family came up and we rented many of the Wonderview cottages in, in Belfast. And um, we went to Lobster Fest and everything. And by the time, now this is the year after September 11th. So I had already wanted to leave um, because I work in New York City and I didn't like the constant stress of being in New York City after the September 11th. So um, we started looking at houses and um, we ended up seeing the house that we bought and we were here for like 10 days and we purchased the house before we left. Uh, before you left? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. It was a little bit of an impulse buy. That Wow. And here it is many years oh. later. Yeah. 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 Well, That's and of crazy. course that house doesn't exist anymore because it burnt down. Right, right. Yeah, you've certainly gone through uh, yeah. many, many changes since you've been here. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, so your dad, yeah, your dad died suddenly, if you don't mind my asking. Yes. Correct. Yep. Yeah. He had uh, he had a massive heart attack at his job. Oh, man, man. And uh, so and your dad, your dad's name was Ralph. Right. And uh, if you it is never also been... my legal name. Oh, it's your own. Yeah, okay. And I, yes. And I guess I did know that. Okay. And, um, so in, and in New York, you had a pretty important job, right? I, well, first I, what I worked in the fashion industry. So I worked for the limited corporation, which owned at the time, cause they don't anymore, that they owned express Victoria's secret, Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, Lane Bryant, like all of those stores were all the same company. And so mm -hmm. I worked for them as a, uh, a fashion designer. And then uh, I left that job and then started working in theater, still designing clothes, but just designing clothes for theater and film and television and stuff. Right. And you did like, yeah, you designed the costume for Britney Spears for one of her Pepsi commercials. Is that I, I didn't design it. I made it. So like the, 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 pe her first Pepsi commercial uh, I design. I didn't design. I made. I made the outfit that she wore with um, the costume shop that I worked in there. And then mm -hmm. we started making all of her clothing for all of her videos. So um, I did um, uh, stronger and uh, I'm a slave for you and toxic and all those videos in that era and all of her world tours and all that kind of stuff. Oh wow, that's incredible! That's incredible. yeah. It was it was actually a really great. Initially, I hated her music. I was not into that kind of music. I was more into like singer songwritery kind of people, and so that kind of pop princess thing didn't really do anything for me. But after working for her and realizing that she was really actually a very nice person, and you know, you sort of appreciate her more having you know sort of working for her. So so I started like appreciating a little bit of her music still not really into it like I, I just thought the other day i have none of her music on any um like spotify playlist that i have and even one of my playlists is all women singers and it's like i think 50 some odd hours long and there's not even a single britney Spears song. <laughs> so obviously that's what i feel about that music uh you know it's like I think with music like that, it's the ultimate guilty pleasure. And with me, if I like a Britney Spears song, I am hesitant to tell anyone for some reason. And <laughs> kind of like Jeremy. 
<laughs> oh Jesus! Don't get me started on Journey. Holy Christ! Oh man, you know, yeah, we talk about that often. Matt likes Cindy Lauper. You know, I don't know if I do like Cindy Lauper. I ugh. really? I mean, I guess there's worse stuff out there than Cindy Lauper. Um, I guess yeah, I never I really was into Cindy Lauper when it when she was happening, but I didn't dislike her. I just didn't like her enough to ever own any cassettes or anything yeah i think that's what it is that's what it yeah that's what it is i was too cool well i thought it was too cool for that stuff because i listened to the cure and like public image limited and all that kind of like angsty sort of what would now be called emu but emo stuff yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. which i can appreciate that stuff uh yeah i like it father Um, brian says he's a bieber fan yeah 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 i am not a bieber fan i yeah if he was run over by a truck i'd be okay with that (laughs) or actually if someone toilet papered him to death because you know he like eggs people's houses in his neighborhood and toilet papers their house i see i see yeah yeah i i don't get into the uh bieber thing i i must say yeah uh lady gaga i really like lady gaga i do too i didn't used to like her because i thought she was like just a I don't know. She it was like a gimmick. It was all like a weird gimmick and I thought how long can she really do this and be right. taken seriously? You can't keep on doing that. You have to transition at some point. I did exactly. not like her in A Star is Born and I hated that movie, but I appreciated it for what it was, I guess. I see. And I still haven't I still haven't seen it. But that's one of those movies that's a, a kind of Oscar an Oscar bait type movie. It's got Bradley Cooper, it's got Lady right. Gaga. It's a remake of a Streisand movie, so yeah. Well, it's even it's it's that's the fourth version of that that movie. Oh, there that's the fourth version. Oh, wow. There was one in like 1930 something, 1940 something, and then there was a Judy Garland version of it. And then no there was kidding. the Barbara Streisand version of it, and then there was this version of it. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I guess the I first two that. weren't music. They were like actors. I see. You know what I mean? I the, the very first one was the they both were actors. They weren't there wasn't music in them. <laughs> Rounding third in reference to Lady Gaga. Wicked likes to cover himself in baloney and play her songs. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. I mean, you know, you do what you can. You I mean, do if what you're you going to do it, I don't know if you do baloney. Maybe like but, olive loaf. It, Olive, yeah, there you go. Olive loaf. That's that. Yeah, yeah. Not judging, he says. Yeah, <laughs> olive loaf or macaroni and cheese loaf. Oh man. Oh, the yeah, salami's that... definitely hard. <laughs> hard salami. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a joke that we have here. Hard salami. But Is basically, it? my uh, my uh, I don't get cold cuts very often, but every once in a while, I like a really good Genoa hard yeah. salami you know that's really good that's really I think so. good i like peppered i like um ones that have lots of chunks of pepper in it oh yeah that's good yeah those are good yeah i like that too yeah so when you uh, were working with britney spears did you steal any of her underwear oh gross no <laughs> you never you, <laughs> you know what's funny is that i used to have to dispel rumors because people would say that she had a breast job all the time but she actually was one of those people when she was on tour we would have to make, there was this one, I don't know if everybody remembers it, but there was when she was on um, the uh, MTV Music Awards, she does I'm, I'm a Slave for You, and she had like a yellow snake and a green bra on. Yes. And the green bra, I made the green bra that she was wearing on that. And so um, she would have to have two when she was on tour, one that was a B cup and one that was a C cup, because when she was on 
you know, when Aunt Flo was visiting, she yeah. would need a bigger size cup. But a lot of people thought she always had like some kind of breast job, but she did not. That was her real, her real boobs. Wow. And you know that, Frank. You're probably yeah. like one of the one of four people in the world that know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think you told me a story about Mariah Carey one time. Uh, I did. Yeah. I did not actually work with Mariah Carey. I was working on a movie with Eartha Kitt and um, Andrew McCarthy um, called Anything But Love. Uh, not the greatest movie, but, you know, it was a it was a living. And um, we were filming across the street from, do you remember the movie she did that was called Glitter? Yes. So I was filming across the street. And as you do, a lot of people there, I was the assistant costume designer on this other movie. And we were all sort of, you know, in between takes of things. And we were talking to the people in this bar where Mariah Carey's movie was being filmed and they all hated her. And so they all would talk to us and say, I, if I could like just quit or if I could just, you know, do something to her, she's awful. She's awful to everyone. And it's funny because serendipity was that we were working uh, the, the, the crew was working in this building um, on uh, down the street from the world trade center. And uh, so this was before 9-11 and the, the office space we had was in the apartment building where she had a penthouse that she was renovating. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they had all this security that they made everyone go through, even though she wasn't living there yet. And so this woman that was a costume designer and I, of course, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but the woman, in the, the costume designer and I went up to the penthouse and um, broke in. And we, and we like took pictures of ourselves, of course, with a Polaroid, because it was before, you know, fancy phones and stuff. Um, we took pictures of ourselves in, uh, with a Polaroid um, in all the different rooms of that house. Oh, wow. Just as sort of a fuck you, Mariah Carey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so Father Brian is asking, has Frank seen the aforementioned breasts? I knew somebody was going to ask that. He's uh, asking Britney if, Spears. Yeah, Britney Spears. Yeah. Have you oh, seen sure. Her? I've seen I've seen lots of people naked. Oh, my lots goodness. Of, lots of famous. Well, lots of famous people naked. Wow. And some so... of them not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh that's funny that is funny yeah yeah so uh when you moved to maine uh were you still able to do uh costume uh, fashion costume designing i did i commuted for a while where i was doing i was designing shows uh at the new jersey shakespeare festival and i did a couple of off-broadway shows and um and then then i sort of gave up i think my last and then I started doing stuff at Portland stage because I've done the last one I did was at Portland stage was a few years ago. Well, more than a few years ago, I guess it was like 2016 maybe, but um, I, I, I don't work there that much because it's just, you know, it's hard to, to yeah. do that. And what I do at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. So the, uh, and I'll get back to that in a second. Of course, this is where the chat room goes, Frank, and I apologize up front. Oh, that's okay. But since you've seen so many uh, famous people naked, best and worst ass, question mark. <laughs> male or female? Male or female. There we go. Rounding third. Is it male well, or female? I'll give female? you both. Okay. Um, so 
Liam Neeson is probably got the best body in general. Liam Neeson, no seen. shit, no kidding. Oh, oh yeah, I did. Uh, he was in The Crucible on Broadway, and I was the assistant costume designer for that. And he actually had a scene where. Uh, in the beginning of it, he played John Proctor. And when he came in, he was supposed to have been doing work in the field or whatever. And he came in and he takes off his shirt and he has the back, his back to the audience. And then he would take off his shirt and then splash himself like an animal sort of with lots of water. And then he would turn around. And the first preview we had for that show, the entire audience gasped when they saw his chest. Oh, and it wow. Was funny because I don't think that he's never really shirtless or anything in a lot of movies he's usually pretty like he isn't that kind of character you know he isn't ever thought of as being like a really buff kind of person so i think that it caught the audience by surprise and uh uh, and so then for we had previews for like a month and every preview the people we were working on the show would be sitting there like at a tech table and we would bet whether or not would happen every night and it happened every single night he just has, he was ripped. He was like, I don't know what he looks like now, but I mean, at the time he was just so lean and had no body fat and was totally ripped. And it Isn't was it? no impressive. kidding. Yeah. Like you said, who, who would have thunk it? The guy who's in Schindler's list uh, would be like uh ripped. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, exactly. And yep. I don't know who had the nicest as, uh, as a woman. I mean, in her heyday, Britney Spears had a pretty rockin' body. That is for yep. sure. Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, who, who, how about the worst? Uh, did you ever see Paula Abdul naked? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I did not. I've seen so many people naked. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just part of your job. When you have to make clothes for people, they have to come to a fitting. They have to get naked. Well, I say naked, but I mean, a lot of them are um have underwear on at least but yeah. unless you're one of those hippie sort of actor types that wear nothing do you know who sam rockwell is he just won a, an, an oscar for uh yeah. three miles outside ebbing missouri so yep. in like 2001 he was in a play that i did in massachusetts and he would show up to his fittings he didn't he doesn't shower he doesn't use deodorant and he doesn't wear underwear. And so when he would come to fittings, I was the costume shop manager at that theater. So mm-hmm. when he came, I used to have to have conversations with him where I said, you know, there are 19-year-old girls that work in this costume shop. We don't all need to see your junk. If that's the way you <laughs> want to live your life, you know, go ahead, live your life that way. But you know you're an actor and you know you have to have fittings and we don't need to see your penis. So just buy a pair of underwear you just wear for fittings because I don't need to see it. And it was sort of like one of those where you just you had to sort of hold your breath because, like I said, he didn't wear deodorant. So it was just awful. And it was summer theater, so it was hot. It just yeah, and it probably his ball smelt too, as said so, yeah. Oh uh, Eartha Kit was not fun to meet. Father he wasn't, Brian. huh? Eartha Kitt was in the movie that that uh, anything but love, and her daughter was her um, assistant, and her daughter's name is Kit Kit, which is amazing, by the way. And she's also white, um, and well, she looks white. I should preface that by saying that because I'm sure her mother is black, so she is. But um, she um, she stole all of her clothes after she filmed. She was sort of a diva. She felt like she needed, and it was weird because, really, if you think about it, what really did Eartha Kitt do? Really, huh. you know what I mean? Like this was um 
ridiculous. She was a day player, which I don't know if anyone knows what that means, but she, all of her scenes would be booked on one day so that she doesn't have to be on the set more than one day. So she was booked for one day and they did everything at the, at the same time. And she was sort of a diva, not awful, but, but, you know, but But not really. It doesn't sound like a team player. Yeah. Not the knifest. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So in the chat room, we have, uh, I don't either. Nice. Yeah. uh, Stout was saying he doesn't wear, a deodorant and Eric was saying back, you don't shower either. And rounding third <laughs> says, I don't wear underwear. And father Brian says, very intriguing. And uh, sometimes I do sometimes. Uh, welcome Sophia to the live studio. If you haven't followed uh, the wicked awesome podcast, I encourage you to please. And I'll uh, follow you back. And father Brian says, I barely wear clothes. <laughs> That's Well, today with how hot it was, I could understand Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I guess it is going to break tomorrow. Then they're saying, what, Friday? It's only going to be like 62 degrees. It's just yeah, like... I'm happy for that. Oh, geez, after this, no kidding. No kidding. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, rounding third, I'm naked now, practicing for the late show. I'm in Jersey jugs, and that's it. I'm in Jersey jugs, and that's it. Hot wear. It's hot and stout, man. Chris Stout. Uh, stout graduated. Stout's uh, from Freedom originally. He grew up, uh, he was raised as a hippie, and now he's a conservative, you know, just... Interesting. Yeah, I don't, and I, for me, it's the opposite. I was raised by conservatives, and now I'm a hippie. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, Stout still comes up on a regular basis because he's building a house in Freedom, but he spends most of his time in the Daytona Beach area. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't like Florida. Do you like Florida, Frank? No, no. No, I, I really don't. I really don't. I have. Well, I, your father lives there half of the year. And well, yeah. so does your mom, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. And, yeah, they both um, do. I have two aunts that live there and my cousin and his wife and kids. And I every time we go there, it's just I mean, I, I guess if you like whatever it has to offer, it's just there's too many people. It's too hot. I mean, if it's 90 some odd degrees in the winter, I, I just no. And you have to live in air conditioning all day. Uh, no, thank you. No way, man. It's just like it, too many people. And it's, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I think I have three reasons to go to Florida. One is to go visit my parents. Two is to go visit Stout. And the third reason will be to identify my daughter's dead body someday. Those are the, <laughs> those are the three reasons that I would go to Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I have any reasons anymore. <laughs> yeah, like didn't your mother goes down there some, right? Yeah, yeah, she's going this week too. Um, her sister is uh, almost eighty, and she's uh, going down to take care to her doctor's appointments and things like that. Oh, I see, I see. Is Stuff she, is leaking yeah. out of her vagina or something like that. So, <laughs> oh God, yeah, I she know. probably. I can see where she might need assistance with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, so. Um, also, I want to bring up Ralph's Cafe. Uh, can you tell us about the beginnings of uh, Ralph's Cafe, if you don't mind? So I was not supposed to be involved in that because I was supposed to stay working and, in New York and go back and forth. And when we closed on the house um, in Brooks, um, they went to Mike and my mother went to... Um, to, you know, to find some place to have coffee or something while they were waiting for the house to be closed on. 
and it was closed. The building was closed. It hadn't been open for two years. And so they were like, what if we buy this building and we start a coffee shop of some sort? And so I wasn't supposed to be involved in this at all. This was supposed to be just the two of them running this business without me. And, um, and I ended up coming back and sort of being dragged into it. <laughs> and so I, so, and then I, and now I'm basically, I'm the, I'm the only cook. I, I'm the only one that bakes and does all that stuff. So it's turned well, into just me. Wow. So your mother, your mother's not your assistant cook or baker uh, really no, anymore? Not anymore. Oh, no. Jesus, Frank. That's a lot of work. That it is, is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, COVID's changed everything too. And it's just, you know, it's, I, I think it's that way for everybody and every restaurant. It's just, it's, it's been really difficult. Either you right. had to change how you did business or, or you didn't do business at all. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and is when people complain about the prices they, they pay at restaurants, it's just like, you know, the profit margins at restaurants is incredibly it's slim. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, and you've talked about this before. You don't make much at all. Uh, no. Really. Well, and I don't think people realize that like restaurant equipment is worth like what a car is, basically. Maybe a right. good used car, not a new one. But um, like I, we had one year. And if you don't have like any sort of savings, if you're if a piece of equipment goes, most of the equipment lasts uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, which happened at at Mount view where, you know, the building was built, all of the equipment was put in new and then Mm -hmm. just right around the same time, everything started failing and needed to be replaced. And it's just because everything lasts for like 12 or 15 years and then it's toast. And then they cost an oven costs $10,000. And, you know, uh, uh, and so if you're and that, if you have to then replace stuff, it just hits you and you don't have anywhere to go or anywhere to, you know, to finance it or anything, or you put it on a credit card and you end up in, in debt that way. I mean, there's so much that, that you don't realize. I mean, certainly I didn't own a restaurant, so I didn't realize I worked in restaurants, but I didn't realize the whole sure profit margin, any of that stuff before. Not at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Frank mentioned Mount view. Uh, that's where, uh, Chris, Eric and rounding third, uh, we all graduated from Mount view high school. Now it's a new, complex and it's frank and i served on the school board together frank was uh, the representative for the town of brooks i was for waldo for a while and every time the budget season came up and uh, you'd go through the meetings and the public forums and whatever else finally it goes to the public for vote and actually, that vote was today, wasn't it? Did you vote today, Frank? It was today. Shoot, I didn't. I forgot. Yeah, yeah I didn't. forgot. I mean, I did too. And then it was just like one of those things like, uh, oh, well, and that, and it makes me feel a little bad. But anyway, uh, but there would always be uh, the Mountview School District is made up of 11 towns. There would always be two towns that would vote down the budget, the school yep. budget, every single year. Yep. Knox. Knox. Knox being one. Yeah, Knox will forever, ever not vote for the school budget um you could cut the damn thing in half and they'd still vote against it but you know and but you bring up the point it's just like equipment wears down and it's just like you know it costs money to operate places of that size but it's just Yeah. yeah anyway but yeah 
No, so I mean, I admire the fact that the restaurant stayed open. I feel bad because I haven't been now that I live out of town. I haven't been mm. uh, since the pandemic. Of course, I follow uh, you on uh, social media and whatever else, and I see the changes that are going on. Uh, but uh, how has the hand, ugh, how has the pandemic changed your business? Uh, well, I'm only open three days now, and it's probably going to stay that way. I mean, just we did dinner before. Well, I don't think I'll ever do dinner again. And I it's just that I think part of it is that it is so hard, whatever the reasons, what, and I don't want to delve into any sort of political reasons, but it is so hard to find people to work right now. Way mm -hmm. before, I mean, it was hard before, but it's really hard now. I mean, I'm, I, I, if I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure the Ridgetop closed um, indefinitely because they couldn't staff their restaurant. They did. But, I heard that. Yep. I heard um, that. Right. But it's just really hard. And so it ends up being, you know, four of us working all day or, and I am the only one that cooks and, and bakes. And so I will work 14, 16 hours a day without ever sitting down. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's just at some point I'm like, you know, I'm turning 50 this year. There's only so many years that I can keep on doing that. And I've already been doing it for almost 20. So, um, you can't work 70 or 80 hours a week and it not find eventually take a toll on you. But so COVID hit and we decided just to do takeout, um, mm -hmm. which worked for a while. It was our revenue, obviously, because like anyone's was, I think we were at 40% of what we did before. Oh, wow. Um, and so then, um, and even when we could open up for, for eat in, dine in for, yeah, I think it was July we opened up for dine-in. Um, it still was was limited. You're, uh, it we're very small, so our capacity was low. And um, I don't know. It's just it just it changed how we decided to do business because I started baking a lot of things. Is sort of like uh, because people would take them out instead of worrying about eating in and stuff. So, and then I realized how much I like baking stuff. So now I bake a lot. And I uh, we received um, we were one of the people to receive a hospitality grant. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was a, a chunk of money, but it has to be used on equipment. And so I bought a lot of equipment that were, would change sort of the face of the business there. And so that's sort of what's happened is that I'm just sort of open three days and sort of rely half now on a bakery business as opposed to a food food business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think yeah. that'll change. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I used to, I didn't go out to dinner there many times, but every time I did, I really liked it. And I liked the fact that you had a different theme every weekend. The hoot and, is now stolen that, by the way. Who has? The hoot who? in Belfast or Northport, I guess. Oh, they stole that, huh? They yeah. stole they stole that from me, which is fine because I'm not going to do dinner again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I mean, really good food. Like, uh, I mean, just like uh, if you ordered a pasta dish, you know, just fresh pasta, just uh, you know, homemade sauce, just everything, you know, right from scratch, and it's just like ah, good stuff. And I, there's no place better in Waldo County for breakfast than Ralph's Cafe. I mean. Uh, no question. I, um, you know, Frank makes his own bread. He makes his own jams and uh, ketchup, uh, ketchup. That's right. You know, condiments and all that other stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is. It really is the best place in Waldo County. 
to go for breakfast. And nice. well, it's just I mean, it's just like basic things. It's just like I can't stand going out for breakfast and getting a bad breakfast because there's some basic things that people that you expect when you go out for breakfast. If you order eggs over easy, you know, I want them over easy, you know, right, right. it, when I order, you know, a side of uh, home fries, uh, Jesus, I mean, uh, make sure they're cooked in season, <laughs> you know, just basic things. And it's just, not only do you do that well and, and you do it well consistently, you also add your own twist to dishes, uh, which I really like. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, Eric is, uh, who's in the chat room. I had breakfast with him down at Harbor walk a few years ago. He, he's the first person, first adult that I know of that orders, ordered his eggs over hard. Who orders oh, really? eggs? Yeah. He ordered, he likes over hard eggs. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people were over hard. Well, uh, do they really? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I mean, I can deal with like over medium or whatever the heck, but I, I gotta have some runny yolk. I mean, but that's I. You know, the older I get, the more I dislike eggs. Uh-huh. I don't know what that is, but I. So I actually eat eggs over hard, but I break the yolk when I cook them. So, yeah. so it's easier yeah. to cook them because if you don't break the yolk, then you're going to be they're going to be a brown awful mess exactly yeah i'll break the yolk if i'm making a sandwich uh, breakfast sandwich at home and i know i'm going to be eating on the run and i don't want like egg yolk right. running down my arm and getting on my work shirt or whatever but yeah yeah i will do it in that case yeah um and what's that what's that dill bread you make is that like an onion dill bread it is i haven't made it in a while though i make sage onion bread most of the time oh man like uh, that onion dill bread i mean it, it's so good i want to take like a loaf of that and just shove it right down the front of my pants it's that good <laughs> well if you get it right out of the oven you probably could well i don't know about that but it's uh, yeah soft no, enough, I'd, sure. yeah, you'd, I'd probably let it sit for like maybe 45 <laughs> minutes and then yeah and then yeah, yeah you don't yeah. want an american pie like exactly uh, seen on your hands yeah, but it's it's that good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and you do donuts too. Holy cow! Do, I, do, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do was started from some weird thing. Actually, I, you know what? The reason I do donuts is because of your mother, because your mother brought me. Now, God, I've been doing donuts probably for ten or twelve years or something. But your mother went to the Amish people's place, right? And came into my place for breakfast, but she had been there first. And she sent back a donut to me. Now, the Amish people not only use lard in their their dough, but they fry it in lard. So they, um, so they don't, when they sit, they get hard because of the fat. The fat is like, you know, it's like bacon fat. So, right. Um, right. so I, I got that donut and I was like, wait a minute. I have never made a donut before, but I so can make a better donut than this. And so... Um, so that's where it started. I started making them that week because I, I that I wanted to make a better donut than the, the Amish people. To which I used to actually joke that um, the Amish people were going to send some kind of carrier pigeon. The Amish mafia were going to send a carrier pigeon to me, <laughs> saying that 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 they were going to like you know they were going to finish me. They're going to off me for doing donuts. <laughs> I you know what? I bet that's a thing. That has to be a thing. There has to be an Amish mafia out there. I mean, oh, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I mean, every group has a mafia, you know. So, and the, the Amish are big enough that, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I will say this about Amish donuts. Um, I think I, I, I don't think I like the just the basic raised glazed donuts that they have anymore. And I'll tell you mm. why. There's a couple reasons. One, I uh, overdosed on them. I ate too many of them uh, over the, over the course of the years. But uh, also. I had a poison ivy. We were talking about that earlier. So bad one time that they put me on prednisone. And as I was tapering off prednisone for a while, all I could taste was metal when I ate something. Hmm. And the first thing I ate when I uh, started to taste metal was one of those Amish donuts. So now every time I eat one, all I can think of is like tasting metal. It's the weirdest thing. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But now, if you can find them, because they go, they sell out fast. The Amish have this uh, uh, cream-filled maple frosted donut. Holy uh-huh. cow, that is like, whew, I only have like one a year, but those are good. I will say this. Yours are better. Yours oh, are gee, better. Thanks. Yeah. Um, when uh, Trish died, you sent over a dozen assorted donuts to our family. Yeah. And that was the first time I had Ralph's Cafe. I knew they existed, really? but that was the first time I had uh, Ralph's Cafe donuts. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And it's just like you come up with your own flavors. And it's just like, you know, there's well, donut some... day used to be on Thursday. So that's why right. I wouldn't have been able... and now right. it's on Saturday. So right, right. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so you only sell them on Saturdays now? Yep. Yeah. I see. I see. Do the Amish run Mr. Rum Coke for the pagans in Pennsylvania? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, at where I work, every once in a while, someone will bring uh, this was uh, this was probably pre pandemic. Someone would bring by a box of uh, Ralph's donuts. And the last one I had was a lemon meringue donut. And oh, my uh-huh. God, was that good? I mean, you don't see lemon meringue donuts often, if ever, but holy cow, that was like incredible. You know, what's yeah. funny is that there's a new place in Rockland and Camden named Ruckus Donuts, mm-hmm. and they follow me. Actually, so does the only donut, too. They follow me on Instagram. And oh. when I have posted pictures of donuts, and then now they make flavors that I make, which so it was kind of funny to me. So they, I did like a, uh, a, um, a nutter, uh, a, a fluffer nutter donut. Yeah. And then they did it the following week and now it's on their permanent like menu. The, see now is, and does that, and does that piss you off when people do that? No, no. I mean, and nothing is new. So, I mean, you know, like, it's like, eh, you know, whatever. It's kind of flattering, really. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. I've got to have, I get, I have won uh, the Bangor Metro, like, like uh, best breakfast and things for, you know, so many years now. I'm sure I have a target on my back just that way. I'm sure people follow <laughs> me that in that way. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I guess that's, that's interesting. Uh, did you ever... Uh, hear about manure donuts. Uh, this uh, manure <laughs> that, do- shitty, that shitty flavor. <laughs> well, this is what it was. This was before you lived in Brooks, uh, r- directly across the street from Ralph's in that building oh, yeah. where th- where the auto mechanic place used to be, and where George Callis had his little office there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that used to be a bakery. They yes, 
And Delmont Clark also sold farm equipment there. Right. So uh, anyway, every once in a while, like two days a week, they would sell donuts. And my grandfather would call them manure donuts because it was the only place in the state of Maine where you could buy a donut and a shit spreader at the same counter. That's, that's, that's why. Yeah, that's how he uh, why it was called that. Yeah. So um, we talked about the Marsh River Theater on the last show, actually. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, we did for a little bit, just uh, about some of the shows I have done and how easily people get offended in the town of Brooks. So you're limited to the shows you can do. Would you agree uh, with that? I don't know. We've done some kind of racy things before actually we we've slowly moved out of the whole conversation of changing parts of a script that have curse words in it to just basically saying screw it we're doing it the way it's written because i'm tired of like people can't deal with you saying a couple of words i mean it's it's in context it's part of the script i mean we i did um did you, I don't know if you saw it like two years ago before the pandemic, I did a show called The Revolutionist and it's about um, the French Revolution. Well, it's not real. It's sort of, it's set during the French Revolution and it has Marie Antoinette and um, uh, four other, three other women. And But really it was written by this woman, Lauren Gunderson, about today, about how women are treated today and how little progress has been made since the 1700s misunderstandings and racism it was about a lot of different things and um but there was plenty of cursing in that and initially i thought should we remove this and then everyone in the cast is like no we shouldn't remove it and i was like okay we won't remove it and it was one of the best attended shows in years and it was a straight play and it was just really nice really like powerful and funny at the same time you know um Mm. so it was kind of a good mix but Uh Awesome. Uh, so did anyone come back afterwards and act all offended or anything? Not that I know of. I mean, sometimes people leave in the middle of something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. I did like a show that was um, that, that was a, a, a spoken like you, you don't act it out. You read from the script. So it's like a, you know, sort of not like a radio show, but it's, you know, it's not that same sort of format. And there sure. was one, one of the monologues that had a lot of, it was dirty. It was actually about like it, the, the name of the show was um, love loss and what I wore. And it was about women and their connection to clothing and their memories uh, connected to that, that piece of clothing. And one of them was this woman, Amy Simino did the part and she initially could, couldn't bring herself to even say the monologue because she's talking about, when she was a kid, she had this pair of pants that she put a slit in the crotch of so her boyfriend could finger her. And Whoa! It, it is hyster- it's a hysterical, hysterical monologue. And it, mm-hmm. you don't really get what is being said until later. You know what I mean? But Because it's like leading up to it. And initially she's like, I don't think I can say this in Brooks. I don't think I can do this. And I was like, but it's funny. It's not told in like some awful like gross way it's told in a funny way so people exactly. like it and we we knew people a couple of people got up and left after that <laughs> but you know whatever 
and, the, and you know what? So be it. It's just like, if you're going to get offended at that, it's like, come on. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah. And also, um, it sounds like girls I dated in high school. So, like, no, I'm right, kidding, exactly. kidding, 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 kidding. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I just stole that from rounding third, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because I've done some shows with you over the the years and i remember the one we did with the beatles songs uh almost oh, right. yeah uh across the universe yep. which was fun but <clears throat> i knew what was going to happen during our intermission we were going to go backstage and somebody from the audience who thought that they could come backstage just because was going to come back and complain that we were too loud and that's exactly what happened you know because yeah. We're playing rock and roll music, and it's just like you know what? It's just like whatever. Uh, I think yeah. when we when we just when we were doing that show because I was sort of directing that show, even though it's not really a directing, it was sort of like just being a band. But I mean, it was like, but that's what it is. So if you're gonna go, it's basically like going to see live music. It's not a show, <laughs> right? So so screw them. You know, there's there's guitar and there's drums and there's they're gonna that's what you're supposed to go see exactly exactly yeah and that was a yeah that was a fun show and it was right that wasn't about theater it was just about uh the stage looked nice you had you decorated it well and yeah that was just fun and the uh there weren't many people that came the two nights that we did it but the people that came largely had a good time and uh right. some even danced and you know so yeah 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 good good um is there one show that you have done that really stands out uh for you uh over the years at brooks whether it be as an actor as a director as stage designer is there one that you're really proud of i don't know uh well i really loved love letters mm -hmm. uh i don't know if you saw it it was two different casts it was mike and sue hall and then Ian Hall and Emma um, Seekins played it mm -hmm. a different weekend. So there were like, uh, because you it took uh, place over these two people's whole lives uh, corresponding via letter from like the 1930s into like the 60s. Um, it could be any age. So it's different. It was interesting to see they didn't actually ever rehearse together um, because I didn't want them to um, know what each other was doing because, you know, people that are in, at the time, I guess they were in their 40s and uh, Sue was, I think, in her early 50s. And so, mm -hmm. you know, your experience brings to the stage different things. And the other two were um, just in their early 20s. And so the way they took and saw like the words and how they 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 um, interpreted them and said them out loud was completely different than. So it was a different show completely because of their their lack of experience and their experience with relationships. So. I really liked that show. It always made me cry. I can't even tell the sort of synopsis of it without actually crying because it's just so, I think because again, it's a show that you read, you don't actually, um, cause they read the letters that they're writing to each other. Mm -hmm. um, they, you get so much information about them because there's no scene changes and there's no, um, there's no blocking and they're not walking around. They're just sitting, reading their letters to each other that you get so much information that you get so invested in the two people that, that the ending of the play is so impactful that you just sort of can't help, but be, I see. 
Uh, were there a lot of tears in the audience at the end of the performances? I think or... I think so. Yeah, so it was moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually found myself on stage, uh, even with the most ridiculous shows, like reading Ebenezer Scrooge right. or reading ab about being George Bailey. I have actually cried you know in those roles you know just working myself up and getting so into it that i actually have uh moved myself to tears uh, so, mm. which is interesting uh but yeah yeah um uh but yeah i i i would like to do more theater <clears throat> as time goes on of course right now the theater's closed right well they're hoping to do a show this year um it's probably september um just to get things kicked off i mean i just i wrote a grant last year for them um and they got uh, uh the grant is for five thousand dollars worth of lighting equipment so they um so they have that to add to it before they start doing another show but i mean mm -hmm. it's it's rough to like because i don't i don't know how anybody else feels but i mean it's it's hard to be in a state with a high vaccination rate but that's also a tourist state and you don't really know how people, if they're, I don't know if they're vaccinated and I don't know if they're, you know what I mean? And so it's strange exactly. to like want to be out in public now all of a sudden just right. like nothing ever happened. Right. Well, and it's like this honor system. Welcome, Abina Bible, who's just entered a live studio. If you don't follow the Wicked Awesome podcast, I would appreciate it if you did and I'll follow you back. Um, <clears throat> so yesterday... I, I went to Portland, Maine. I had the day off from work because I worked Saturday. So I went to Portland, Maine, Maine's biggest city. It's the first time I've been like uh, to southern Maine in uh, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So it, hotter than hell. Uh, I get down there and I'm drinking all kinds of water on the way down, you know, hydrating myself because I'm going to walk along Congress Street. Uh, find a parking spot. And I'm like, holy cow, I got to piss so freaking <laughs> bad. So I uh, I'm in the public parking place and then I see a porta potty and I'm like, ah, oh, great. Uh, I'm going to use this porta potty and there's a big sign on it that says employees only. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Looking back, I should have just used it anyway. You know, what are they yeah. what, what are they going to do? Arrest me. But so I'm walking along Congress Street. I mean, it's really I mean, I have to go bad and it's hot. So I start going into places like just Starbucks and, you know, I'm willing to spend money. I'm willing to buy a coffee, water or whatever. Uh, there's a Rennie's on Congress Street. Uh, I was, again, willing to spend money there. And all of these places were like, if you're vaccinated, uh, you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, please be honest. But. Damn it, all of their freaking bathrooms were closed because of COVID protocols. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't it's, understand that. I don't get it either. So I can come in without my mask. Uh, I'm vaccinated, but I can't use your bathroom. It, it doesn't make sense. But I ended up walking. Uh, I mean, it took me 25 minutes, maybe a half hour. I ended up walking down to Commercial Street where there's an Irving station and a porta potty uh, in the back. And luckily that was open. And holy cow, I bet it was 500 degrees in that porta potty. I bet. Yeah. Uh, but I had to go so bad, stunk, but I, I didn't even care. <laughs> yeah. But it, 
uh, I didn't go to Becky's diner right in round and third. I did think about it. I wasn't far from there. Uh, I did think she doesn't about like it. kids. <laughs> right. Uh, did I bring a jug? No, I didn't. I should have brought a jug. Yeah, that's another joke on this uh, show, Frank. Uh, uh, C. out uh, when he lives in the woods like Ted Kaczynski, which he does when he's building his house, he pees in empty water jugs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And then he just leaves them kind of like laying around. So if you ever go to Chris Stout's uh, Ted Kaczynski little tenting site while he's building his house, just don't drink out of his jugs and you'll be all set. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, you know who, do you know who Ron Ann is who lives in Brooks? You yes, probably do. Ron Ann yeah. yeah, yeah. So she sells houses as well. I, I work with her. Uh, but um, one day a guy at work was talking about uh, how Ronan was going to show him a, a house to buy. And I'm like, I wonder if uh, she could show me, uh, I wonder if there's a Ted Kaczynski shack out in the woods somewhere that she could show me. And my boss was there and he goes, do you, why can't it just be a shack in the woods? Why do you have to preface it with Ted, a Ted Kaczynski, you know, but it just sounds better when you put Ted Kaczynski in front of it. I don't, it does. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are they saying in here? Uh, the jug urinal is an acceptable redneck utility. That's right. Father Brian. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very true. So living in the town of Brooks, um, <clears throat> What is your involvement now with uh, town politics or town involvement? Is it limited or is it non-existent? Or well, where... I mean, I went through. Well, I I was on the school board for seven years. I'm mm-hmm. still on the school board for the Waldo County Technical Center. Um, oh, good for you! Good for you. Mm-hmm. So I've been on that for probably seven years too. So um, and um. I used to run the Brooks Booster Club for five years. I got run out of town basically because of that, because the I was, I believe, the first person not from Brooks to be in charge of that organization. That could be very, that could be true. That could yeah. be true. And also well. openly gay. So it was, it, let's just say it did not go well with certain people because I tried to clean it up. I tried to do things. They didn't like it because it wasn't like it was before. So, um, I stopped doing that. The ta- the which is funny because this year the um, even when I let when I they actually hijacked the booster club while I was in India <laughs> and um, gave it over to another group. And um, at the time we were talking about giving it to the town of Brooks because it's so much money to upkeep and sure. you have to constantly fundraise and things. So now it's owned by the town of Brooks. So. Mm-hmm. It was now it was it was passed on this year, um, right. so I did run that for five years. And uh, what else did I do? Well, there's the theater, and uh, I guess not much else. I mean, the uh, you know I think that that life changes, and you just get older, and you just you know let let somebody else have their turn doing stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah, and I and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it's like you involve yourself where you can, but like you said, life does indeed take over and it's just, it ends up taking a lot of your time and sometimes your efforts aren't appreciated or they're misunderstood. 
and you have people that get used to the way things were done before and or have been done uh up until now and it's uh yeah change is uh, hard to accept in small towns mm. else that's and you know i got divorced and so i don't live in brooks anymore <laughs> so i live in stetson so you live in stetson yeah wow yeah. I no for kidding. a year yeah okay so i guess I, just... I didn't wow okay yeah so i mean that that too was like i don't know Plus, yeah. then, you know, obviously my sister dying and then the whole town of Brooks splitting down the middle on all of that was also it just it, like everything, our house burning down. There's so many things that have been weirdly life changing that that you yeah. just, you know, you, you have my sister dying and then the house burning down and then all these other things that you just think, is it is any of this really worth it? You know what I mean? Like all this time spent and arguing with people and worrying about what people think and things like that. It doesn't really matter. So just make yourself happy and figure it all out. Kind of thing. Yes. Yes. And I, I agree with that. And it's yeah. 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 So who lives in the house on top of the hill now? Is it, it, My, well, that house burnt down. So the cabin, the, I mean, the cabin, yeah, the, my mother lives in the, the little house now. And, mm -hmm. um, my brother lives in a little, a little tiny, a little quote unquote little house where right. the old house used to be. I see. Okay. So they live and, there now. Yeah. And Mike lives above the restaurant. The nope. Mike lives in what used to be one of Delmont Clark's buildings. It's the red building next oh. to where his house was. Okay. Okay. Sure. So that's where sure. he lives now. Okay. 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 Good. I knew he was living in town. I guess I just assumed it was the. <clears throat> the no, I lived. Above. I lived above the restaurant. After we broke up, I see. I see. So I yeah. lived. I lived up there. I when I left, I I moved up there. I see. Yeah, that's one thing, and we have in common. We've both been divorced in the past so oh, year and a half or so. So it's yeah. actually actually a funny story is that when it happened with me, because we're so involved in the social scene of Brooks, that actually when you and when we found out you were getting divorced, I actually felt like thank God somebody else is getting divorced <laughs> that isn't going to be. Because it's amazing how people sort of like get on you about like, well, you've been with this person for 25 years. How could you possibly be getting divorced? And right. it's like, stuff happens. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's not like an everlasting institution for everybody. And so it was kind of funny because I was like, good, somebody else can take the heat off of me for a little while. <laughs> There'll be like, rumors <laughs> about somebody else. Who else? Somebody else got divorced too around the same time or was breaking up. And I can't remember who it was now because it was. Another oh, there's always somebody. Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of it. I mean, everybody's divorce is different, but it's just like um, <clears throat> keeping the focus on the kids for us is uh, really kind of help the situation well yeah uh, i mean so. it's good that you both are i think you both still have handled it really well like you both it's about your kids and you didn't seem to it seemed to be copacetic as it possibly can be and yep you know it's yep. not it's it's a good example for them to see that you can you know still sort of be nice to one another because you obviously love the person at some point just because oh, something yeah. changed the same thing with Mike. It's I, I constantly say to people, like, I still love him. I think he's a wonderful person for somebody sure. else. And right. so it's just, you know, you know, when you're young, I, I, I swear, I, I was listening to NPR the other day, 
and they were talking about um, relationships on this one show. And they were talking about that, you know, when people first thought of marriage as being lifelong, people lived till they were 35. And so, you know, it's just, I I don't know if really you're meant to live with someone forever. Maybe there's that person. There are people that live together for a long time. But, you know, like when I, when I met him, I, he was my first boyfriend. I was 20, early 20s. I knew nothing about really what I, I dated women before that. And so I didn't mm-hmm. really know. What do you know about what you really want in life, really? Mm-hmm. And so uh, if life happens, you know, jobs and we didn't have kids, obviously, but all that kind of stuff. And then finally, you're just there 25 years later and you're like, what is this? Like, I don't even know what this is anymore. And yeah. so then it's like, you know, I still don't, I, it's again, like it could be worse. I always thought for years, you know, my life could be way worse. I could be with someone that's abusive, that's horrible, you know, all these things. And so I think for a lot of reasons I stayed and we were together for a long time because I still liked him. I still, sure. you know, that person's really a good person. We just weren't meant, I don't know if there really is a meant to be with somebody, but you know what I mean? We were, we didn't really click the way we should have clicked. Well, and so. it's, and I, I guess looking back on uh, mine and uh, Rachel's relationship, it's just once we started to have kids and all of a sudden life really started to happen with uh, life jobs, uh, you know, uh, people getting sick, people dying, uh, our own issues, buying a house, financial issues. And then all of a sudden you get to a point where everything is just kind of calm and you know, she felt at first just like, wow, it's just like, there's just no connection here anymore. And, um, I didn't, I didn't get it at first and we did all the couples counseling and all that other stuff. And then it was about a year and a half after that point where I'm like, you know what? I get it. Cause now I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, 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 it's weird, isn't it? Because you, you, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people with me have been like, I just don't know how you leave someone after that long. And I had said, you know, it's really hard for me. It's because I'm with somebody else. And it's constantly weird after you've, your body sort of has become so accustomed to someone else after 25 years or however long, you know what I mean? It's that you, you have to stop and remind yourself you're not with that person anymore. And I work with him still. So it's weird. Cause you know, like I work like 14 hour days with him. And so it's just funny because it's almost like I didn't leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know what I mean? So it, a lot of it is just so strange because it's like, it's like a twilight zone episode where you're like, I don't even know what my life is anymore. Well, it's like, do you remember the show will and grace? Yes, of course, obviously. Uh, so there was Will and Grace, and then there was that other very flamboyant guy that was always around. I can't even remember that guy's Jack. Yes, Jack. Yeah. That's right. Just, just Jack. Right, right. right. Um, so anyway, they Will and Jack get drunk at one night, and then they wake up in the same bed, and they're like right. freaking out. And uh, then all of a sudden, they're talking about things. Well. We'll never be a couple. Uh, we can't be a couple. Or if we were a couple, what what it, would it be like? And he, they're both like, Jack's like, well, you'd have to give me money every once in a while. He already does. Right. Uh, 
you would have to let me use uh, this apartment uh, whenever I wanted to. He already does. And plus, I'm going to have other boyfriends. He already does. So <laughs> that kind of they just explained their relationship. right? Yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just it's admirable that you two can still work together and uh, have that level of civility so that at least can happen um yeah well, like yeah. i said i want i want nothing but good things for for him i don't understand it's funny because i so the only long-term relationship i had before him was with a woman for three years and um she is my niece Alyssa's godmother she was my sister's best friend and so mm-hmm. She's still around. I just talked with her for like an hour on the phone the other day and where she's going to my family reunion in France with us. So to me, it's just funny because I, I don't, I, apparently I don't get rid of people. <laughs> well, you have lifelong friends. I mean, for years I've been trying to get rid of my friends and now they appear in my chat room here. So yeah, uh, yeah there you go. <laughs> I'm no, kidding I mean, guys. You know, it's, it's weird because I've told people about, you know, uh, her name is Dina. And so um, about her still being, you know, in my life and has been in my life, I, you know, lost my virginity to her at 18. And so there, it's just, you know, it's just funny because, again, it's just you get to a point where I always liked her. Obviously, she wasn't right for me for many reasons. But I mean, there was mm-hmm. no dislike you know what I mean? Sure, I dislike things about her, just like I dislike everyone. You know, no relationship you're ever going to be in, you're going to dislike everything someone does. Um, but um, but I don't know. I just think it's like, well, you like him for a reason. That doesn't mean you can't move on and still have them in your life somehow. Sure, sure. Um, so when you had this uh, three-year relationship, did, did you know you were gay the whole time, or were you still I questioning? Think, I think so. I think it was really. I think it must. It well, it was really hard being gay in the eighties one, there was HIV. So, you know, if, if anyone thought you were gay, then you were, you had AIDS, you were going to die and you were going to kill people. And so when I was in high school, you know, I got beat up a lot and, uh, I would say at least once, you know, a day and teachers, every, I had teachers that watched and did nothing. I had administrators watch and did nothing. This is part of the reason why I was on in the school board is that I felt like somebody needs to talk for mar- marginalized people. Um, and so, so I just, I think that I was so in trauma the whole time that I didn't have any way to know who I was because I couldn't see it myself. Cause I was so worried about being found out or so worried about that really being who I was that I suppressed everything, you know, and I don't think that I ever really, developed as a person you know what i mean i don't even think i did as well in school as i could have because i was so worried about in in class or in in school during the day worrying about when i was going to get beaten up or when i was going to get made fun of or, or both happened usually in every day and so um so i think that because of that i just convinced myself that i didn't want that to be my life so i was going to I always liked women. I still love women. I mean, most of my friends are women. So, mm-hmm. you know, you take, you dis, you think of that admiration for women. I also have a boob fetish still do. So oh, you um, do. Oh, oh totally. I didn't know I'm that a, about you. Cool. Absolutely love boobs. And uh, like when I was a costume designer, my favorite See, there's a Britney Spears thing. My favorite thing to do is to make women's boobs look amazing. So, um, <laughs> so, so, That's you know, awesome. you take all of those weird things and you're like, well, maybe I am sort of straight, but I mean, and, you know, sex feels good. So it's not like it's horrible, 
And if sure. you, so, so, you know, it was just like, eh, I could be with her, you know, it's no big deal. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. yeah, so I think I knew, but I mean, you know, like I said, it's, I see. Well, that, and you just hit on another topic here. We, we decided that it's not chauvinistic to either be a boob man or an ass man. We have, we, we've decided that on this show, it's, it's okay to have a physical attraction to one or the other and uh, openly admit that. So, and you just did that, Frank. So, oh, Joel G, thanks. Well, you know, what's <laughs> funny is that, that I find that this whole like sort of emergence of, what women will tolerate men doing anymore, including gay men too, because I, I don't know if you know, do you know, you know, Chelsea handlers, don't you? Yeah. Um, she has a podcast, um, with her assistant who's gay and they ended up talking about something and he was saying something that basically men would normally say that would be considered male chauvinistic. And she's like, I don't even think you can say that anymore. And I think it's interesting because I, I, I'm sort of, and I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but I'm, I'm oddly on the fence where I understand. I understand the generations of oppression and so many different things. But at the same time, I was like, if you aren't allowed to say that you're a boob man and without it seeming like it's some sort of weird thing, I just don't, I think, I feel like there, that in order to change sexism and to order to change everything, you have to deconstruct everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like, and I feel like women, and this is no, and believe me, I am a, a, I consider myself a feminist. I think that there are a lot of things that women expect of men and expect men to do that they don't want to let go of, but they want men to change. And I think that if you want real change, everything has to be con- deconstructed down to the ground and you can't expect men to pay. You can't expect men to propose. You can't expect men to do all these things and be the man and do the tool thing. And because a lot of men aren't good with tools and a lot of men aren't those things. Right. They, they feel like they're expected to be that, you know what I mean? Because that's just society. And I think that there are a lot of women that really believe that these are things that they should be able to expect whilst expecting men to not do the things that they've been doing, which believe me, there are plenty of things that men do that they should never have done. But I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that, that the work needs to be done on both sides. It's just like racism. I mean, everybody needs to work on it all. It can't just be a one-sided solution. You have to all sort of jump in. Exactly. Uh, welcome, Corazon, to the show. All right. Uh, uh, this excellent. Glad that you're here. And those are good points. Uh that's masculinity and it's toxic as AASF uh, just yes, said. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and it's, um, and I always, I mean, I admitted here not long ago, I'm not a handyman. Uh, it's like the, the house in Waldo is just kind of a patchwork of, you know, just my ugly handy uh, man uh, skills. And it's, functional we don't the roof doesn't leak Mm -hmm. but you can tell it's not done by a professional luckily as i have made more money over the years i can hire someone to do that but it's uh yeah i mean sometimes even now i think about it and i see what other guys can do with their handyman skills and i feel somehow uh inferior to them and i just I don't know. I guess I just got to get over it. Uh, but you also talk about it's just like, you know, 
it doesn't have to be the man that proposes. It doesn't have to be the man that plays those traditional roles. One thing, uh, as Rachel and I were having kind of trouble in our relationship, she wanted me to plan all the dates. Like, you know, if we're going to go out on a date, uh, you got to find the babysitter, find the play, find the place to go to and all that. And I'm like, you know, it put a lot of pressure on me because I just felt like everything had to be perfect in those situations. So if I chose a restaurant that I, maybe she had a bad experience at before, but I remember like three experiences that were uh, kind of good. Um, and this happened. We go there after I planned this and she doesn't like the food. Then all of a sudden she's quiet. You know, it's just like, right. and I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just choose the place and I will go? I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure to put on a person uh, to, to pull. Yeah. But see, yeah. that's, that's sort of the double standard part of it is that, that I think that, that, that women, and it, I, honestly, I know this sounds horrible, but I mean, I think that this whole sort of thing that's happening where men are supposed to be worried about what, what their toxic, toxicity level is with their masculinity is that women don't realize they're conditioned to, that they're also conditioned to want babies or when they don't really want them. You know what I mean? Some, there are plenty of women that don't want them, but they, you know, from, from birth, you know, they're like, Oh, when are you going to have kids? And you know, it's, it's sort of like boys not being able to play with dolls and being considered, you know, there's just so much happening now that I think that we so don't realize I, you know, it's funny. I was telling someone the other day that I was trying to figure out a way because I have a lot of people in my family that are racist. And I was trying to figure out a way to tell them about what, systemic racism feels like and this is my example is that think of a woman that has hairy legs and hairy underarms and mm -hmm. most people will recoil at the thought and even and if you even see like stubble under a woman's arms you recoil at the thought because you're so programmed to think that women should have smooth legs they should have smooth underarms they should have no hair on their body at all that you don't realize how long that's been programmed into you and them that that's the same thing it's any programming that's happened whether and it's you know most of it you can't even pinpoint who started it or where it came from but it's just it is it it, it exists where we just do these things to ourselves and it's a horrible cycle to try and get out of exactly Exactly. Are you pro manscaping or are you? Am I uh, pro man? I think everyone should manscape. You think everyone's okay? There we go. I That's totally a question. Yeah, that that question comes up now. Um, I do have a dear friend who doesn't listen to the show very often, but she texted me after listening to one of the podcasts where we were talking about it, and she was like. Uh, so against manscaping or even really? females shaving their genital genitalia, uh, describing it as weird porno. Uh, what was it? Oh, weird I don't mean shaving. Like, I don't think no. you should shave as Sh like a baby. Like, I mean, I mean, like trim it down so you're not like in the hedges. I see. I see. Because some so. people can grow a lot of hair. Yes. Yes. And I yep. think it's just one. It makes you look bigger. <laughs> and two and two it's just a mess and if you want someone to go down there then they shouldn't have to go through the forest to get to like the whole it just i don't know but i hate when people shave everything off i think it's weird yeah. um uh, I, oh I, that 
that's what she called it weird porno bald that's what she called it yeah but but i like I, i'm yeah. glad that you clarified that yeah 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 i don't understand it i don't understand brazilians i don't understand any of that i guess i get it because if you're wearing a little tiny bathing suit you don't want it coming out the sides or whatever but i mean it just seems like some of this grooming that people do seems to be over the top what they do yes Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, quite it's quite a popular topic on uh, podcasting these days. But I think part of it is, <laughs> well, I think part of it is because a lot of podcasters and YouTubers, uh, they they actually get approached by these manscaping uh, products to do yes. uh, commercials for them. So I think that's why it keeps uh, coming up. Yeah. Who wants to bang Bigfoot? Now, what exactly. kind of court? Yeah. Who wants to bang Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I actually, uh, when it comes to women and hair, uh, hairy legs, I'm not into very much. Um, I, I have dated women with hairy armpits and that doesn't bother me so much as long as they don't have more hair under their armpits than I do. Uh, then, it, <laughs> then it tends to bother me. Yeah. yeah, I remember this uh, woman uh, when I lived on Monhegan Island back in my late 20s. Uh, she was from England. And when you first see her, she kind of attractive, you know, reddish hair, freckles. And then you hear then you hear her talk. And she had one of those Cockney accents. And forgive me for forgive me for doing this, because. I'm going to sound like Dick Van Dyke here in Mary Poppins. <laughs> uh, uh, My name's Lucy. How you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, nice. it's just like, so here's this pretty thing. And then she comes out with this, this, it's like, oh my goodness. It sounds She's like, like you're, yeah, it, it's weird, man. It's like, you should, you're, you should be in this small town and it's like, I don't know. You just picture this old guy in England sitting at a bar stool in this small coastal town and, you know, with no teeth. And here that's the voice that's coming out of this beautiful young lady. And then one day. So that kind of turned me off a little bit. Then one day I see her in a tank top and she lifted her arms. And oh, my God, Frank, <laughs> it's like she had. Uh, it's like she had Richie Cunning. No, it's like she had Carrot Top in a headlock you know under both arms like just this reddish like hair i'm telling you i've never seen so much armpit hair in my life yeah it well was. i would suggest even if women let them because i don't think that women should have to shave everything i mean it's crazy that we expect them to do that but even them you should manscape you should keep yes it yeah absolutely absolutely well, well good well um frank uh great conversation thanks for uh, agreeing uh, to this uh but uh it's interesting i was uh, one thing i do most mornings is i will go to the house before work and i'll say hi to the kids before they get on the bus talk to rachel a little bit so rachel said to me so you're uh interviewing frank tonight huh and i'm like yeah yeah she's like well i might actually listen to that that should be really interesting she wait curious. is she in here i i haven't seen her i haven't oh, okay. seen her yeah yeah so she might listen to it after the fact oh, but then she asked me this uh can you interview me sometime now that would be interesting me interviewing be. me interviewing my ex-wife but i don't know what we talk about i don't know if people want to hear about our ooh, 
what brought us together, what brought us apart, and all that. Other I stuff. think that's interesting. I think because you're in a good place as individuals, I think I, it could be, you know, I, I, you know, it's if as long as is sort of constructive at the same time, it's not, you know, exactly. like um, yeah. bringing up any like pet peeves or weird shit unless it's done in good humor. But I mean, that could be interesting to listen to. Absolutely. Like, like stout just said, she's the redhead with the freckles without the cockney accent. Absolutely. <laughs> she is. And she also doesn't have, you know, you know, this forest of armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, rounding third says, uh, favorite hot sauces. Yeah. Uh, that's a topic on here often is uh, Rachel's oh, really? new boyfriend is a chef and he makes yes. really good hot sauces. Like, really oh, interesting. I, yeah. I love hot sauce, but. Oh, yeah. I mean, his are like spot on. I think he's going to try to like, you know, sell them locally or something. But Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. My my yeah. best friend is from Louisiana. And so it's funny because she had never heard of Frank's hot sauce before. Mm-hmm. And I had her try it and she was like, well, this is really great. I don't know why they sell, don't sell it in Louisiana. Because it's got to be from Louisiana. I was like, it's from Buffalo, New York. It's from so Buffalo. She, and she's yeah. like, because it's the original Buffalo wing sauce. Right. And so, yeah. And so everyone, I used to have to bring it down to Louisiana because everyone that she had try it liked it better than all the millions of Louisiana hot sauces. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. I mean, I I just take that's a hot sauce I just take for granted. I mean, I do like it, but I'm the, the, huh? That really surprises me. Yeah, I like uh, Cholula. Yes, yes, I like that that's too. Probably my favorite one. Yeah. Although there's a uh, what's the one? There's one in made in Maine that I I can't. It starts with an R. Uh, yeah, I, that they make with blueberries and stuff like that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't know. I know. Um, I go to Miguel's. Have you ever been to Miguel's in Bangor before? I have, yes. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite Mexican places around. And really? they they uh, will bring a blueberry hot sauce to the table. And I don't know the name of it, but that doesn't have enough zing for it for me. I mean, it has flavor, but it doesn't have enough zing. Uh, but yeah. Have you been to Buen Apetito in Waterville? Uh, yes. That's, that's very not your good. Fate? I was going to say, how is that not your favorite Mexican? Yeah, Mexican? you're right. That that would be, yeah, you're right. I think that is better than Miguel's. I'll give it's you that. It's pretty good. And it's it's like a twist. It's not exactly Mexican. They twist it a little bit, so it's not like traditionally Mexican. Exactly. Yeah. Jeez, all of a sudden I'm craving that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. that. I like going there, then going to the railroad square and seeing a movie afterwards. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the treasure chest, too. Or the treasure chest. Too. You can go into a, go into a booth and have sex through a hole. <laughs> oh man! Um, oh god! That place is freaking nasty. I've never been in there. I've never been uh, in there, not even once. Well, a friend told me because I've never been in there that it's like your feet stick to the floor and it smells like cigarettes. So. Oh my god! Well, it probably smells like something else other than cigarettes. Yeah, people have sex in there. Alyssa, <laughs> my niece Alyssa, of course, has been there many times, and is surprised I've never actually been in there. But she's been there. Okay, I, okay it's your niece. I don't want to even ask why she goes there, but you're saying she's been there several I times. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I do believe vibrators. I, I, I don't know what it is, but she's one of those people. Maybe it's tactile that she has to like have it in her hand to figure out whether or not she likes it or not, instead of buying it on Amazon. And I was like, Ugh, no, she has like five vibrators, and I was like. <laughs> All right, that's what you. That's what you. Five Do you really need that many vibrators? I think they're all different. So I have not seen them, but I, I'm pretty sure they're like different sizes, or they do different things. 
<laughs> that's an orgy. Yep, it is. I don't know. Maybe she uses them all at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to ask her. <laughs> oh, man, that is a riot. Oh, wow. I remember going to one of those sex story parties at a co-worker's house years ago. Oh, like fuckerware. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, fuckerware, right. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's interesting the types of people that you get to go at these parties. You have people mm-hmm. like me and Rachel that are there just to laugh or whatever else, and we're invited. And, you know, but then there's always like a couple there that you can tell, or actually, you, they even admit it. They swing, they use all of these toys, you know, they give you know very open vocal reviews but i remember the host uh, the woman that was selling these products she pulled out this uh dildo vibrator thing that was blue and it had like these pearl type things inside it and she turns it on and it starts you know going around in circles and then you can press a button and it goes the other way and i think it had also like that anal piece that goes with it too and uh you know what i'm you you know what i'm talking about right frank yeah yeah yeah. yes (laughs) well to stimulate that (laughs) exactly yeah so anyway wait corazon did you do like athena's what did you do she used to do parties selling sex toys i used to sell oh no kidding okay cool cool yeah um and uh anyway so she's showing this thing and the lady that's quite vocal goes that's that also comes in pink <laughs> <laughs> that's it's what like, you need to know yeah, i don't know exactly. why it matters what color it is like, what does it matter <laughs> it, you're not it's nowhere near your face well, I well it, yeah, yeah we hope we hope not that way yeah well i used I, to it, have I had a roommate. I lived in New Jersey with nine people in a house. And one of them was, well, actually she wasn't a lesbian when I worked with her, when I lived with her, she dated the CEO of Marvel comics at the time. Um, And uh, she used to have this double headed gigantic dildo that she had on the coffee table. Uh, It was probably like, I don't know, four feet long or something that she had on the coffee table. And whenever we had people over, Whenever we had people over, she would have, make sure it was out. And then people were like, what, what is that? This, what kind of party is this? And she, she eventually started taking like Polaroids of people's faces and gluing them onto the heads of them. So that people didn't think that she used it. She just did it because she thought it was funny to make people uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Corazon says that started out just ladies, but then you wouldn't realize how many men are into toys as well obviously yeah yeah and which makes i'll ask you this uh corazon and i I apologize if i'm mispronouncing your name um what is what did you find was the most popular men's sex toy product uh the the sex toy that men preferred um there's like it's either it's got to be like uh, what is it called uh a, a fleshlight it's probably like a fleshlight or like uh or like some kind of like little butt plug thing i would think anal beads yeah, my- and the fleshlight i knew it well because yeah. because even straight men like what's funny is that so many straight men want their girlfriends to do something anally with them but they're so weird about it because 
I mean, your prostate being stimulated feels good. So, I mean, regardless of whether you're straight or gay, you still like it's it feels good. So so it, it shouldn't matter whether or not you're straight or gay. But a lot of men like want to have sex with women anally. So why wouldn't you let your female like partner do the same thing? I don't know. Well, and it's just well, it's a stigma of it that we grew up with that somehow if we uh have our ass played with a little bit that automatically means we're gay and it's just like right. no it's not true at all no it's not true at all you're gay if you're attracted to men <laughs> i mean that's yeah you know, exactly exactly it's as simple as that it's exact exactly i mean yeah. what's a hand job amongst friends <laughs> what's a hand <laughs> oh that's funny that's funny yeah so uh oh i meant to ask you we got a few minutes left uh thank you for hanging around for so long uh you've traveled uh quite a bit uh you've uh, and of course the pandemic has kind of put a pause on that for you well it has put a pause on it uh is there one what's the name a few of the places that you've traveled to and name your favorite place that you travel to and the worst place that you travel to. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I, found, I find it funny, the whole insurrection sort of in Myanmar, the whole a coup in Myanmar, because I went to Myanmar uh, during a, we had a three month trip all through Asia, my mother and I, and um, Myanmar was great. It's been, it was closed down for, years and years because of the military um, being in charge. And then they opened it up to people. And so it was really cool because it didn't, didn't have McDonald's or Westernized things. And it was still their culture and like women and men wear um, sort of like a sarong um, all day. And so it was just like, I don't know. It was just really cool because it was so untouched by Western civilization kind of thing. Um, I don't know if I have a, Worst. I mean, my mother and I have camped in Africa in little pup tents for a total of three months. Um, and I loved all of that stuff. That was really great. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of some place I hated. I mean, I got abducted in Egypt. You got abducted in Egypt? What happened there? Yeah. I, the, I went to... Um, uh, to uh, to the, the, the... Whatchamacallit? The, the pyramids... And I was mm-hmm. taking pictures of the pyramids and this guy came up to me and said, um, do you want me to take a picture of you next to the pyramid? Which was weird because I hate pictures of myself again, before this was before, you know, cell phones and stuff. Um, and so I let him have my camera, which was a bad idea. And then he ran off with my camera and then I ran after him. And then when I got around the corner of the pyramid, the they there was this group of guys and they picked me up and they put me on top of a camel and then they dragged me out into the desert and i'm sitting there i mean of course there is it's not really a desert because i they make it look like it's in the middle of a desert but there's really a big city right there but um the desert part they dragged me out into and the whole time they're like you should be happy you're on top of a camel and they were just trying to get me to give them money for a camel ride really but it was against my will. And the whole time I'm yelling, there's police all around the place and I'm yelling for them and they're not doing anything. And I actually oh, learned yeah. Arabic. I learned a lot of Arabic for that trip too. So, um, so I was actually 
saying stuff in Arabic and they still didn't do anything. And so I hopped down off of the, the camel myself. And I don't know if you've ever been on a camel, but they're up really high. And so I, I jumped off and I went over, I grabbed my camera. I started screaming at the guy and he, um, and actually at one point he even takes pictures of me on the camel. So they're somewhere, I think they're on Facebook too, of me on top of this camel with some weird turban on and stuff. And it's just, in insane because my I look pissed off even in those pictures but um but so he starts saying well you're from the United States and you're rich and you should give me money and and all this shit and I was like I'm not rich I was like um I saved all my money to come here so I don't have tons of money it's all in my wallet right now and I'm not giving you any and it's funny because he ended up like finding me the rest of the day that we were there and giving me little gifts and saying huh. sorry and stuff it was very interesting that but. is that's strange that is strange yeah yeah it seems like with all these trips i mean you really do uh take in the full experience of these places meaning that you don't necessarily stay in hotels like you just I said know. you'll stay in a pup tent uh you'll travel to these countries that haven't been touched by western culture yet uh and i admire that I admire that. Um, uh, it's the and, only way you're going to experience anything. You know, I mean, there's people I know that go on cruises to like Jamaica, but they don't realize that the cruise company owns like 10 acres on the coast of Jamaica and you get off of the cruise ship and you go into this little like, you know, self-contained fenced in little town that you think you're going to, but it's not really Jamaica. You know no. what I mean? And, I don't understand exactly. going to McDonald's or any of that stuff while away. I think you should experience as much. Right. Yeah. If you really want to experience Jamaica, you uh, travel uh, into the cities and you travel into the areas where probably most of the uh, nation is impoverished. Uh, uh, yeah. Same thing with uh, people that go to Cuba. It's just like, yeah, I mean, if you go to a resort and you don't leave the resort, you really haven't visited Cuba. Right. And from what I understand that there's always at a lot of these resorts, there's, uh, you know, families outside of like the gates, like begging for cups of milk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do that every, when we were in Kenya, we went to what was supposed to be a, a, a Maasai warrior sort of like um, village. And when you, when we drove in, you, they had like traditional clothes on, but when they were doing their dances and stuff, you could see that they had like basketball shorts underneath them and, and stuff like that. And so I ended up saying something to the guy that took us there and I was like, this isn't real. Like this, this is like set up for tourists. There's no way this is real. And then mm -hmm. we ended up going to a different country where we went to in Namibia, where we went to a, a place and you could tell it was real. You know what I mean? Like the, that you could tell they're living there. They have chickens and, animals and there's feces and there you know what i mean like you could just tell like it's and that actually you have so much more a better experience sure when, it's, when it isn't set up for tourists right you know what i mean right yeah exactly yeah i do i do and that's i mean i haven't traveled a lot but i would like to think uh, when i do that i would be the same yeah yeah it's uh it, i'm the type of person it's it's hard for me to travel just because i you know, I grew up 
here and it's just everything to me is just such a culture shock i mean i try to sound as cultured and as intellectual as i can but the fact of the matter is that even me driving to portland yesterday i get i i feel out of place somehow <laughs> that's okay i think feeling out of place is okay i mean it's just i think it's it's how you um I think, you know, here's an example. Like I, we went to India and um, when India has what they say isn't a caste system, but it really is. They have, mm -hmm. you know, five castes, including the untouchables. And when you're in India, even though officially they don't have it, they still practice it. And so the people that are untouchables are people that um, can only do certain jobs and they're the lowest. So they do the menial awful things or they and they can't live places they can't be educated all these things and so the guy that was our guide that day decided he wanted to take us to a town that still practiced it where they have actual lines in the road where you can't pass or something and we ended up going into the section of where the people that are untouchables live and when you're in india when you say hello to someone you say namaste to everyone but when um for some reason, I don't know how they know. I mean, I guess you'd know what they look like because most people that are untouchables are very impoverished. So it's sort of that National Geographic thing where little kids have distended bellies and, you know, they mm, have flies sure. in their eyes and things. And um, so we, my mother and I, started saying namaste to them. And no one says that to them that are Indian because they, are, they don't, are not deserving of even saying good morning to in that huh. in that fashion so it's like one of those where it was really interesting because they were like shocked to hear someone say it and then they um they sort of opened up because of that and sort of treated you like you were you know like an, you know it wasn't a tourist they 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 felt like you were giving them respect so therefore you know they they opened up and most people in india speak english so um so it's easier to converse with them so i mean it was i don't know it's just like things like that it's 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 part of the experience you know like well and it's it's eye-opening and it also shows that no matter where you are people just want to uh have a sense of dignity they want to feel yeah. Uh, respected yeah yeah so that's a that's interesting yeah well very good um thank you so much frank anytime yeah absolutely um for those of you listening or for those of you listening later uh, what i'll do is, is i'll share in my notes uh, ralph's cafe facebook page and instagram page uh, awesome. even if you're not from the area check it out sometime it's just frank always posts uh, pictures of what he's making just the most incredible things in the world and uh you'll want to take a look and uh yeah yeah. All right. We'll have to do it again sometime, Frank. All right. Sounds good. All right. Have a good evening, everyone. All right. All right. See you later. Bye. See ya.